out and you're recording. So uh, I want to make this kind of informal, Marty, because you and I have talked before. We're friends and uh, I just want to find out how you're doing. I want to talk, interview the top M&A entrepreneurs. So this is Marty Fonke. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be one of your inaugural guests. You are the inaugural guest. Oh, I'm you the are the inaugural first. guest. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've got other people signed up, but you are the very first guest. You know what they say about pioneers, right? They're the ones that wind up with the arrows in their back, and then everybody else just follows along behind them after they blaze the trail. So, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, hey, honey, let's go uh, build, you know, it's 1820 or something like that. Let's go build a house out in the West in Idaho <laughs> or something. What do you think? It's, you know, property's free. Yeah. <laughs> No, thanks. Yeah. I'm so excited. So, you know, we met each other through Roland's Epic course, which is yep. the M&A group. And I just kind of want to find out, I'm going to ask you some questions, uh, just how it's going for you. So everybody on the other side gets a sense of, you know, who you are, uh, what you do, how your success and, you know, who your failures on that. So let's just start with what do you do now? I know got a great career. I've seen that. We've talked and I've seen you on video. Well, thank Yeah. So easiest way to describe it is I create money out of thin air. So whether that be through marketing strategies or whether that be through investment strategies, uh, mergers and acquisitions, I find ways to put money into company owners' pockets. Yeah. And, and so you're looking at a company, uh, what size of companies do you work with now? The range is pretty, uh, pretty broad, actually, uh, between 1 million and 175 million are the deals we've done in the last, you know, or the deals we're working on completing in the last year. So it's a pretty broad range, but yeah. 175 million is the biggest one so far. And uh, uh, of this, of this past year, the biggest ever I've done was about um, 300 million. Yeah, that's amazing. Now you were came on as making money out of thin air as like a consultant or contractor with that one? Or was, what was that? Yeah. So whether it's, if I'm coming in, approaching it from my, my consulting and in management advisory, um, I can basically walk into any business and find where they are leaving money on the table, whether it's through increasing revenues, um, increasing profits. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes there's more money to be made in just efficiencies than there are in in increasing revenues, because if you've got a bad system, then you know you're just exacerbating the problem with increasing revenues. And then from the investment side, helping business owners find ways of raising capital that aren't always the traditional ways that they would think of. And you know whether it's most business owners, if they need capital, they think of banks, which is debt lending, right? They think of uh, SBA loans, which is debt. They think of private equity, they think of VC, and there are hundreds of other options out there for raising capital that I can help business owners find if they need, if they need funds to grow. Yeah. When, I, when you raise funds or use alternative methods to raise funds, now, what are you looking at as the, the best scenario or possible case? I, let me give you an example. I had this conversation with a guy earlier this morning that the business needs to raise capital. And I said, well, what's it going to be used for? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times I've seen people come to one of they raise money because it's going to solve all their problems. Right. Right. I said, no, the, where I've seen the best success is if they already know what their metrics are, cost of acquiring a customer is. And 
if it's a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, then you ask like, well, what if I give you a hundred thousand dollars? Would you still have the same profit margin adding all those customers? And what if I give you a thousand or a million? Am I going to get the, you know, turn a dollar into $5? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's a question that always needs to be asked because quite frankly, I would guess, well, it's probably 80, 20 rule, right? 80% of the time when you ask that question, you get an answer that's less than satisfactory, right? Like they're, they're wanting, they're wanting to spend the money. They're usually trying to throw money at a problem that should just be fixed first. And then you can put money into capitalizing on, on, you know, fixing that problem. So definitely I'm always asking the business owner, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And that's why it's, it's can be any number of things. It could be fixing something that's broken. It could be everything's right. They just need more customers, which is a marketing and sales problem. Or it could be that they have something that definitely needs capital, whether it's equipment or um, inventory capital etc. There are times when just truly cash is needed. And so going in and understanding that and helping that business owner to to really look at what is the money that they need and, and why do they need it is absolutely great advice. So yeah. you're, you're right on on that. Well, let's go back to the Epic course. This is where we met you. And this is an Epic course uh, started by Roland Fraser. It's uh, basically an M&A course, which turns into kind of a mastermind because we're networking with everybody. So yeah. what did you think of the course? Uh, it was life-changing for me. So I am not a take a course kind of guy. I have I have taken a sum total in my 35-year career, I've taken a sum total of four courses in my, in my life. I limit myself to one per decade, apparently. And so I'm not one of those that, you know, jumps on every guru. I'm not a big guru guy. I'm not a big course guy, et cetera. But uh, I do a lot of business um, in and with China. And so I could see at the end of 2019, well before most people, what was coming to the United States with regard to the coronavirus. Already, my factories were being shut down. Uh, I was seeing all, all sorts of issues. And I was starting to warn people, like, something's coming, and it's, and it's going to be a huge disruptor, and you need to be ready. Well, I knew that I knew what was coming. And from a personal standpoint, there were things I could do to prepare. From a business standpoint, there were some things I could do to prepare. But I didn't know exactly what to do to fully prepare for what I knew was, was coming. But I was, I was ready. So we are, we're recording this literally almost to the day one year after the world started shutting down. And um, I kind of sat there. Uh, I basically, I got lucky because some of my businesses that I work with uh, were able to take advantage of, or let's use a different word, were able to capitalize on the lockdown. So one was a, a company that, that produces calming sleep music. Well, everybody had such high anxiety that that, that product was selling like gangbusters. Uh, I mean, record levels. Um, but other products and, and businesses I had were suffering. Um, one of the, th I do a lot of TV and radio advertising for a lot of my businesses. And so there was an opportunity that came along where um, all national advertising for things like movie theaters, car, you know, car uh, sales, um, restaurants, et cetera, all stopped. They pulled their budgets overnight. And so almost every single TV and radio network out there went from, you know, from 
cranking along in one of the best robust economies we had to every budget being cut overnight. So there were huge opportunities with media I was taking advantage of. But I was watching to see what what's the long-term ramifications here? How do I, I knew that businesses were going to be shutting down and going out of business. I knew that entrepreneurs were going to be struggling. I knew that a lot of people in my circle of influence were going to be hurt because they were in you know restaurants or other types of businesses that there was no way they were going to survive an extended lockdown. And I knew it was going to be extended lockdown. There were a lot of people who were like, fell for the, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve line. I knew it wasn't going to be two weeks. I knew it was going to be months or years. So I quickly was looking for how can I help people? How can I, how can I survive this? How can my businesses survive this? And how can I help others survive this? And it was less than 30 days later. I think it was only three weeks later that, uh, that I got an email from Roland and I had been, um, I was actually, signed up to be in his at, at traffic and conversion to go to the VIP dinner with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and um, Marcus Limonis. And I think there were only 15 or 20 of us that were signed up for that. And so I was, you know, I w- was kind of upset that that had all gotten canceled because I had a specific reason to want to meet, want to meet Marcus Limonis and on a project I was doing. So I was on one of Roland's very first emails and he said, Hey, you know, I've got this course. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah. So it was the five day course, the Epic challenge. Yeah. And it was brand new for him. He was, I mean, he had, cre- he had done one live version before, but he hadn't, he hadn't done it virtually. So I was on, on that. I was three days into that five day challenge and I knew this was it. I knew this was the way I could help people. So you were Epic number one course. Number one. Yeah. First right okay. gate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't hesitate at all. I just, the second I got the email from him, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. I, I could just see it. Now so you, I signed up for you, five days. Yeah, go ahead. You uh, uh, knew Roland before or you were a part of digital marketer before? Or- yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was, I had traffic and conversion was a very important conference for me. It was one of my most profitable conferences. I had a lot of uh, business partners that I met out there. I went out there for networking. I went out there for, for education, et cetera. Um, I had met Roland. I wouldn't say I knew him, but I had met him. And then, like I said, there was a VIP dinner that was scheduled that I was signed up for with, with Arnold and, and Marcus. And so, um, and that, that got canceled. And so I was already kind of working with Roland and his team and Deanna and things like that. So yeah. I think it's why I got kind of the early bird sneak preview, like, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Would you want to kind of, we, and we were in the beta group we're called cause we, you know, all the kinks weren't worked out yet. So five days into the, the epic challenge or three days into the five day challenge, I already knew this was, you know, absolutely a game changer for me. And I went ahead and, and did the eight week full, you know, full course. And um, anytime I've ever done a course, like I said, I don't do very many, but anytime I've ever done it, I always tell myself, I want to see an ROI from that in the time frame that, that the program is. So um, you know, I put a couple thousand dollars into it and I said, okay, and it's an eight week course. This is so in eight weeks, I have to make back my $3,000. And I always do that when anything I do, I always put an ROI to, by the way, it's, it's not 3000 anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't know how much it is now. I'm sure it was, is it a lot more now? Yeah. Worth. Well, I don't care how much it is. It's worth everything. Yeah. Um, probably, yeah, it was probably cheaper for us cause it was beta, but beta, yeah. Um, I made my money back by the second week. Well, okay. So tell me about that. What, what did you acquire a company or yeah. what? Oh, well, what yeah. kind of company was it? 
So it was my bookkeeping company. So the company that I already used to, uh, that did all my bookkeeping for my other businesses. And uh, we learned about a technique called the pipe wrench technique, which is basically, uh, you know, you go to a company you're already working with and well, backing up. So how do you, you know, how do you find businesses to acquire? And the, the starting, um, the starting place is who do you already do business with? Who do you write checks to and who writes checks to you? Your whole supply chain is an opportunity for investment. So the pipe wrench technique is basically going to a business that you already do business with and saying, hey, you know, I have a new, I have a new motto. And that is I only do business with companies that I own part of. And so you already have several of my accounts. I'm going to be acquiring a bunch more companies. I will bring all those companies to you as new business. Your business is going to grow, but I want to own a part of your company. And it was one phone call and two emails and that deal was done. Oh my God. That's great. I was like, well, what are we talking about? A bookkeeping service? Was it a, a CPA or, or just it's a, a BPO? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. So they do all the QuickBooks. They do, you know, taxes. And they're not a CPA. They, they're a bookkeeping firm. So yeah. um, I, it's funny. I, literally an hour before, um, an hour before this call, I just got my, my, uh, February profit share from them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So how did that work out now? How, how are you doing Like the profit first, like, uh, Michael does. Oh, or- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So on every deal I do is different. That particular one was, um, was structured. So I get paid, I get paid monthly, I get paid, um, annually and I get paid, I only get paid if the, if the company is ever liquidated, which I don't anticipate this one, you know, really exiting anytime soon. This is a you know, it's a small business. There's, there's four employees. It's, it, you know, it's, it's one of those. Should that be doing made... about uh, CPAs. My, I have a buddy in the M and A uh, world for CPAs and six, four employees, about 600,000 to a million. So, yeah. yeah. So they're, you know, they're, they're a nice business, but it, you know, that some of them that I do these kind of deals with, it's like, okay, you have a specific goal of exiting in two years or three years or five years, or this one's like, they have no goal of, they have no intention of ever exiting. Yes. I don't care. However long know. they live and like, or dislike doing taxes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So yeah, so my very first deal was within with within the the second week, and uh, by the time the eight weeks had 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 completed, I had completed another deal. Okay, and what was that? That yeah. one was. Um, gosh, I'm gonna think about it. It's been a. I've done a dozen deals in a year, so I got to think about which one that. Uh, one. You've done a dozen deals. I've done a dozen deals in the last. Oh, that was my beekeeping. Uh, my beekeeping one, which I've told that story actually a couple times on on some other interviews, but. Uh, um, the, uh, um, yeah, that was the CBD honey deal. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think I read, I, I saw that on your, uh, interview with somebody else. Yeah. yeah I did. I did tell that story. I don't want to, I don't want to, it's a great story though, because it so perfectly frames how this all kind of can work. But, but yeah, that was my second deal. So that happened on like the fourth week probably. And again, that was a very fast, that was another like two phone calls and an email kind of a deal. Um, and, and so I thought, you know, it made it look easy, right? <laughs> So um, obviously I have other deals. I just, I just closed one um, yesterday that we started, I started last July. Yeah. Not all of them are that quick. They, you know, obviously some of them take six, eight, nine months. And then we've got others that are, are, I'm nurturing and, and what's this. uh, So what's this big, the one you just closed. So the, the big, the big one is not closed. Um, we've hit a, we hit a, a big, a, a bit of a hiccup and I, I'm actually not going to get into too many details about it because 
of where it is. It's in a, it's in a really weird place. Basic, basically, it was $175 million asking price for a particular company. We raised the $175 million in about six weeks. We raised the $150 million in the first three weeks, and it took us about three more weeks to raise the last $25 million. We had the full asking price for the seller. Um, we had, a, for certain reasons, we had a non-exclusive LOI um, because there were a couple of exceptions that were, that were in play. And while we were trying to get everything finalized and we were that close, somebody came in and offered $65 million more, more than we did. Cash? Took, took us out of the deal. No, it's not cash. And so um, we firmly believe that deal is going to unravel and we're going to get back in it. And that's why I'm not going to get too far back in. Into yeah. It. So you and I talked about this and I, I'd be very discreet about this too, is uh, oddly enough, I, I uh, know one of the guys that owns it, not the son yeah. of the guy that he went to NAU. I went to U of A. We're in the same fraternity. We knew each other. From that. Yeah. So that's very odd. Very small circles. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy situation. We are, they have three more weeks to, to close that deal. And then, and then, uh, and then we're back in. So, I, so I'm, they're probably out trying to raise the funds. They're out trying to raise the funds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not doing it. Are, so are you coming back? with more funds to help them or are you staying with the same offer? Uh, we're going to lower our offer if he comes back. Okay. All right. Well. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the we'll guy, see. have you still had conversations with him? Has that gone we're in, quiet? We're in communication. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So what's it's the, a, it's go a back great to the big interview. game of chess, man. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It's uh emotional, right? Oh God. When I, yeah, when I, when that got uh, taken out from underneath me, I, I, I literally was like sitting at my desk for about 20 or 30 minutes, just speechless. Yeah. Um, and then I shook it off and I, I was like, okay, there's gotta be, this can't be what just happened. And so I, I started doing some digging and some researching and made some calls and, and, and had some conversations with some, some smart people like you who, who gave me some things to think about. And then that's when we realized we're not, this deal isn't, this deal isn't dead yet. There's, oh, well, there's some extenuating circumstances. So, but yeah. That's yeah. odd that I called you within hours of that happening. Yeah. You I think it was that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it recalls, I, I, I want to bring this up. I, uh, I was reading something in Inc magazine from back in 19 or 2012. It was, uh, uh, Tony Robbins business. And he's talking about Peter Gruber, you know, Peter Gruber from uh, Hollywood. He was at Sony and he did his stuff. He, and okay. he said, I've had many cataclysmic and painful failures in my life. Gruber says, emphasizing Tony Robbins, but he helped me overcome and move through them faster and more efficiently. Uh, like the fact that the uncertainty doesn't threaten me anymore. It doesn't threaten me. How, how did you get through that and say, you know, it's not dead or I'm just gonna let it go. Or there's just too, too many opportunities out there. Like I said, I was, I, I, I literally sat there for about 20 to 30 minutes, just completely speechless. And then I, and then I got back to work and just said, you know what, either, either this deal is still going to come around and, and I'll, and I'll make it happen, which is great. Or, I will learn a lot of things from the deal. So one of the things I learned is that, you know, if I need to scrape up $175 million in six weeks, I can do it. So you, you've got, since then you've made those contacts to do that. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've got, I've got the, I've got the uh, intent letters and everything. So, so now I've learned, uh, I've learned where to go and how to do, how, how to, you know, put that kind of money together for the right deal, which is great. That's because that's bigger than any kind of deal I've ever done by myself. I've done bigger deals as part of a team, but by myself, I've never raised that kind of money. So, um, you know, and the, and to do that in 2020 was, was to me impressive. Now I know that that actually isn't that impressive because there's a ton of dry powder out there with regard to investment. So, you know, it's, it's actually a great time to be, to be looking for cash to, to, uh, to buy companies or invest in companies. But um, so I chalked it up to look, if the deal never happens, uh, I learned some things that I would do different with the deal process to, uh, you know, to more guarantee surety of close. I've made some amazing connections. I've got tens of millions of dollars of investment capital in my back pocket for the next couple of deals that I'm working on, which I'm working on other deals. Um, and it's been, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Now, do I still want to close that deal? Yeah. I'd love to have that EBITDA in my pocket. Cause it's the, you know, the business is minting money, but if it never comes back, then it wasn't meant to be. And, and uh, I've learned some great lessons from it, made some great contacts from it and I'll go do another deal. Yeah. Good. Good for you. I do want to ask you about that process because, you know, we go through Epic, we learn how to purchase companies with no money out of pocket or other people's money. But there's a big gap between some of these companies, as you grow larger, they're going to say, I would, you know, I want some down payments, some deferred down payments. So you have to find that. Now, what did you do about going and finding that dry capital and say, you talk talking to an investment banker, hey, Marty, uh, you're purchasing this company. Let me know when you come to the next deal. Here's a letter of intent for $25, $50 million. Right. What, what was that process? So we started with looking for actual equity investors. And we and we when I say we, I say I've got a I've got a, a particular partner who who he and I have worked together for several years. We've grown a couple of companies to $30, $40 million together. And uh, and so we worked on this project together. And so the first thing we do is reach out to people that were high net worth individuals in some family offices that we knew would have equity. So we, we raised the first $30 million that way. And that was, that was fairly quick. We kind of knew who to call and we, you know, we've been working this, this network for years. And, and so, um, and then from there, it was a matter of um, the, the rest of it was going to be debt. And so it was a matter of talking to the right banks with the right, you know, the right mindset and um, we very quickly got uh, 55 million committed right away. Um, and then we had, we, uh, actually one of our earlier phone calls was, uh, was a, a bank that um, uh, was, they were sitting on so much capital that hadn't been deployed. They were begging us to be in. Their ceiling was at 30 million though. So they, they committed 30 million in one phone call and, and literally begged us, please take my money because we, you know, this is a deal we can make work and we got to get money out there and please, you know, please put us in the deal. Um, so, okay. You know, twist our arms. So, yeah. so we, you know, we pretty quickly had, you know, over a hundred million and we just kind of kept stacking it up from there. So. Um, well, that's so not, we, I mean, that's a lot of dry powder. Are you upping your level about who you're going for? This is because this is funny. I've, I read a lot of books on uh, Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett, no. you know, and he starts at sees candies at $26 million. And now it's like uh, to move the needle. I need, need to make a $40 billion acquisition. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so I have different levels that I'm working at. So I have my own personal acquisitions that I'm doing. And those are on the smaller scale. 
I have two different partnerships. One is in the healthcare space and we've got $30 million committed there. So we're looking for, and, and we're specifically looking for businesses in the basically the two to three, maybe two to $4 million range uh, in that, because that's the, that's the sweet spot where they want to find them. We're going to, we're doing a roll up on that. And then um, with other partners I've got, we are open to anything up to, you know, hundreds of millions if it's the right deal. So, yeah. And of course you leave that management in place. Uh, all of it. Is it all of these companies you look at and say, Hey, we leave manage in place, keep doing what you're doing. No. So I, I so I've had three different kinds of deals that, that have, that I've kind of done in the last year or tried to do in the last year. So um, the first, one of my first closings was a, a company that wanted, the owner wanted to retire and, and, um, and uh, leave the business. But I had a, an operator in mind who I've known for many years and I trusted who, you know, when I saw the business for sale, I said, you know, um, I, I brought it to my friend. I said, you'd be perfect for running this company. He's like, yes, I would. So um, that worked out great because, I, you know, we were able to do the acquisition, put somebody else in a, in a great job, let the person who owned it retire. Um, everybody wins. So that's, so I'm not always mandatory that the, uh, the existing operator has to stay or the existing management has to stay Yeah. on most deals. I'm doing um, less than full acquisitions. I'm doing anywhere from uh, 20 to 49% acquisitions. Mm -hmm. uh, in those ones, obviously I'm keeping the management in place. We are looking to them to continue to run the business, run it efficient, efficiently. We're bringing to the table a lot of resources, whether it be uh, partnerships, business development, um, doing business with all, you know, all the other businesses in our portfolio and our partnerships, por uh, partnership portfolios. Um, business development. I, I'm, you know, I consider myself the number one salesman for most of my, my portfolio. I like, I'm almost out there. selling. How, how many is your, in your portfolio now? Right now? Um, uh, well, as of yesterday, 13. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, since last year, when you started Epic, you've made 13 acquisitions. No, uh, I've made 12 acquisitions. So 12. I started Epic, but I had, I had, a, I had three already before I started Epic. And then yeah. I, I, I spun off two of those and uh, kept one. So total 13. So. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, can we say you're a star student of Epic? I no, <laughs> I, I am far from, there's plenty of people doing plenty more deals and plenty of big deals. I'm just enjoying life, man. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I, I, I love to hear that. Um, go back to, is there any deals that you did for, you know, you're just like, I would love to own that company. You know, so when some people get very, very rich, it goes, I've got to own that sports club. Yeah. Like an ego. So, well, this, this big deal I'm working on. So I, I was kind of, I was working on, you know, how, how the types of deals as far as like management and stuff. So there's, there's been mostly deals where I keep management in place. There's been two deals where I've management is left and I've replaced them with operators. And the big deal that I've been working on, I actually was going to take that over. That was, I actually want to run that company because I have, I clearly can see how that company can triple in revenue and I know how to get it there. I've got the vision and everything. So I was actually going to run that business for about three years. And um, because I think I can, I can get that to be a billion dollar business without too much effort. So um, obviously I'm not going to go run a million dollar business, but I will run a $200 million business if, if yeah. it makes sense for me. So those are the three, you know, kind of three models, whether it's um, the owner operator stays, 
the owner operator leaves and I replace them with somebody I trust or whether I become the owner operator, which is going to be a very specific deal. Uh, and, you know, if another one comes along, that's, that's almost that perfect. I'll do that one. But, um, yeah, I'm not looking to run most any company. And, and so my involvement generally tends to be as a strategic advisor and as the chief uh, salesman, you know, I'm always looking to, to grow, you know, any businesses I work with and, um, but from a strategic advisor standpoint is I'm, I'm the coach. I'm the one that's uh, a lot of times the business owners that are currently there. If, you know, even, even though they maintain ownership, you know, there's a reason they, they there's a reason they sold part of their company to me, right? They, they're in trouble or they plateaued or they're doing good, but they want to grow faster, whatever it is. There's some reason why they were open to uh, an investment. So, um, so what I always do is look for opportunities where the company has, some very specific issues that I know I can solve and help that company to, you know, unclog and, 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 and grow faster and scale. Yeah. So you're all of them or most of them are non-controlling interests. Do you have a put call agreement in place and the profit first kind of deal? Yeah. Place? So, so some of them have um, uh, I, I usually put an option in there. So uh, a, a buyout option down the road, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is um, usually tantalizingly, you know, tantalizingly uh, high for the, the seller. And, um, and I, and I use that as leverage on the, on the front end. So um, I, I kind of use it as a bargaining chip to get a better deal on the front end. So, um, but, but um, yeah, most of them, if in it, and there's several that are, that are specifically going to be growth growth opportunities for the next three years. And then, and then they specifically want to exit and they're really designed around doing that. And so, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to increase the value and my, my profit's going to come from my ownership shares of that company. So. Yeah. Are you have any plans or uh, to take any of these companies public? So uh, yeah, there's a couple of them I think are, are right for a reggae plus and mm-hmm. uh, or, uh, or other things. Um the healthcare business that we're working on that we've, we've got the funding for is, is specifically, you know, is, is going to be, and that, th- that 30 million is just the initial seed. I mean, we, we, we definitely have a goal of taking that into a, um, a billion dollar valuation and, and, you know, through, through a couple of different strategies. What, what kind of healthcare company is that? We're going to focus on home healthcare companies. Uh-huh. So the, the companies that are going around, there's, there's about 15, well, t- somewhere between 12 and 15,000 home healthcare businesses in the United States. And uh, most of them were started by some sort of medical professional, usually a nurse who, you know, sick and tired and fed up with the medical system and in a hospital system. And they, they want to make a difference and be more personal and hands, hands on. And so uh, they start this home healthcare business so they can go into people's homes and take care of them. All great. Right. But the reality is that's a brutally tough business. And a lot of them have, you know, they're great nurses, but they aren't great business people. And so I can't tell you how many deals um, I've, I've had conversations, uh, pitches that I've had conversations where the owner of the business, I mean, they got 25, 30 employees and, um, and they're literally driving down the road in between patients um, with their entire business on the passenger seat of their car in, in file folders and milk crates, trying to do paperwork in between calls and then, and then, you know, take calls from us and, and beg us, please help me figure out how to do this right. And so, so we've started with, you know, so there's a lot of burnout in that space right now. The COVID thing has really been brutal on them. So, um, so that space is very interesting to us because it's, there's a lot of businesses, business owners who are thinking about selling 
Um, it's a business that's critical today and will become more and more critical as the, the peak of the baby boomer generation um, hits their critical mass with healthcare problems at 20, in 2030. So there's nine more years before the, the healthcare system just completely you know, is, is overwhelmed. And so um, we're positioning that business to be you know, on the forefront. What, what we want to do is build the Nordstrom of home healthcare, basically. Yeah. And, and well, so, anytime you have a fragmented industry, what's his name? Uh, Wayne Huizinga from Blockbuster saw that fragmentation. Said, with, yeah, with fragmentation's videos. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And there, and, and when, and, you know, if you are interested in home health care for yourself or for your parents or whatever, and I say, what's the brand? Yeah. There no, isn't one. There is none. There's, there's brands in, in managed care with facilities. So a place for mom, right? So, but that means you got to holler to a, a place. Uh, but there is no national brand for home health care. And uh, so my partner and I are setting out to change that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. I, I want to go back to your developing these relationships with the family offices. Now, how, very specifically, how did that look like? You created a pitch deck or an offer deck or, or did you just, this is just kind of phone call and it's in the back pocket and say, hey, next deal I want to do. What does that look like? It's been a little bit of, um, so on the, on the front end of this, it's been a couple of personal relationships. So I know, I know some people who have some fairly, you know, good sized family offices. So it's been uh, in the early days of kind of doing this in 2020, making phone calls and say, Hey, I'm looking at doing this. I'm looking to do an acquisitions. If I need capital, you know, what are you interested in doing? And then they've, they've kind of told me, and it's been it, it, in the early days of this last spring, you know, or mid, you know, spring, summer of 2020, it was a whole lot of, Hey, we aren't putting any money into anything. We don't know what's going on, but yeah, yeah. very quickly by the fall, it was, they were calling me back going, okay, we've got to deploy funds and we, you know, we're, we're interested in what, what are you doing? And so, so the conversations definitely did not go great at the beginning because I was too early. I was too, too, you know, everybody was just hunkered down and nobody was deploying capital anywhere, but I stayed on them. And so picked up a few, picked up a few of those. I guess some of them are some uh, people that I've worked with before. I, ironically, one of them is a, is one of my earliest acquisitions who went on to, um, I, I think that acquisition was $2 million. This is 20 years ago, like $2 million. Um, and then he went on and did another, built another business and he, and it was acquired for 700 million. And so, uh, this guy knows how to build businesses and sell them. You know, I, I, I bought his $2 million business, but I didn't buy his $700 million business. He said, I got to get out of here because I see bigger potential in some other stuff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can have my little $2 million business. So, <laughs> Um, but so I, so I have some connections with people who have connections and I've just been working them. So when that great big deal came along, um, it was, it obviously got much more aggressive and, um, it was interesting because there was no pitch deck involved. There was no nothing. It was literally, um, call those people and then, and nobody, nobody, no one family office or no one bank is going to put in all that money. They all want to do you know, some sort of syndication, right? Yeah. And, and some of so, them were waiting for the first guy to, okay, I'll do it. And yeah. So we had, we had our it, first, we had our first group. And so from there it was like, Hey, so-and-so's in and so-and-so's in, are you good for, you know, 2 million or 5 million or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, but it was interesting because people who normally wouldn't have probably taken our calls um, basically it was, a, it was a very, you know, back of the napkin kind of thing. Like, here's the business, here's the money, 
here's the EBITDA and you know, this thing is just throwing off cash, like nobody's business. And, um, okay. I mean, it was, it was crazy how, how quick that went. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where did you, uh, how did you source that deal? Where did that come from? Another Epic member. Oh, awesome. So yeah. collaboration. Collaboration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Network, networking and, and, and working with, um, you know, other investors and other people who are in the M&A space everybody's got something specific they're looking for and everybody has something specific they are not interested in. And there are plenty of deals out there to go around. And so I've um, got myself plugged in pretty well to several people who are, are bringing me deals on a pretty regular basis. I brought you two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that was, you know, so that one came to me from somebody who, you know, was fairly fresh into the game. And, and so, you know, they, they picked up on it and they were out, they, they found it cold calling. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so what, what, what is their split in the deal? Did they, um, I don't, if, if it goes through, right. We're... If it goes through. Yeah. So it, it was depending on how the deal closed. Now we were closing this one as independent sponsors, and so our independent sponsor success fee was going to be, you know, 2%. And so he would have gotten half of that basically. So 1% of the 175 million. So, yeah. So, yeah. I think everybody would take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for a cold call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 1% doesn't sound like much when you're talking numbers like that. 175 million. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so networking has has been my number one source of of, of deal flow without question. I have um, um, number two though has been podcasts just like this. I've, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've been um, having a lot. I've had a lot of people who've reached out to me and asked me to to do interviews. And every single interview I do, um, my you know I just watch the web traffic spike up and then the phone calls start coming in and I, the last interview I just released about two weeks ago, um, within two hours of the interview dropping, I had three really interesting deals you know contacting me. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, and yeah, that's cool. I, I have to. Have you watched uh, the Jason Calcanis and Chamath and Freeberg and Sachs, this uh, Silicon no. Valley investors? No. Oh, it, it's awesome. I mean, Chamath is just wicked smart. I mean, yeah. he's wicked smart. Yeah. I mean, the analysis he puts over situations, just amazing. That is a great podcast. If you're, I'll watching. check it out. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that's really been my, my, my two primary sources of deals has been word, you know, networking and word of mouth and, um, you know, and, and doing interviews with really smart, cool people like you. Well, and you. that's been you know, I, the collaboration, I have to share this story. Um, we just partnered up with, uh, Adam Lyons. He's one of the other instructors, you know, him, right. Yep. So we're partnering up with another business, but I was listening to one of the conference calls and he said, we were, I was helping another Epic member try to do a $6 million deal. And we got stuck on it. Something snagged. Right. And the guy wanted to see proof of funds for some amount. I don't, I don't remember what it was. So Adam reached out to another guy who had lots of cash took a screenshot and he said he took a screenshot of his bank account, sent it to him and Adam gave him 6% of the deal and they closed with the LOI. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. Just for that, it goes, uh, you, you, for 6% of a $6 million company, you just want a screenshot? Yeah. 
okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So what's next for you? I mean, you'd like to get this company, but do you have any big deals coming in? You're going like, oh, this is really exciting. I've got, I got a, I got the SEAL team deal team in place. I got Grant. I got all my accountants. I got my own bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got funds ready to go. You're now on the precipice of something big, huh? Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what's next. Cause I, I haven't seen the, the next really big deal. I'm, I've got several kind of small to medium deals happening. I've got one, uh, I've got a $22 million seller who, um, literally won't leave me alone. She's begging me to buy her business. And I'm just like, why, why is she know. begging we'll you? Um, the, this would be one where the owner, well, she will exit. She, you know, she needs to exit the business. She's burnt. She's been in the hospital twice with stress related illnesses. Oh, I've already met four or five of those types. Like I, health, I gotta, I gotta get out. I mean, yeah. And so, which is, you know, so it's like, okay, now, um, you know, if the terms are right, we'll do it, but it's right in my sweet spot. It's a, it's a business category. I've already done, I don't know, 80 to a hundred million dollars in sales in personally. So, um, so that one might be interesting. Um, we just got to work out the right price and the right terms, but that, that just came about recently. And, um, and I've, I've had, I've had three people today call me and say, she's, she keeps calling me. She wants you to call her and like close this deal. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. I, you know, wait till her price gets a little more realistic. So, yeah. Oh, so um, what's a, uh, the multiple evaluations too high. Um, so the issue there is that her books aren't very clean. Okay. So we don't really know the That's, true story. Yeah. 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 I'm willing to, I'm willing to take a gamble on fuzzy books, but I'm only going to do that if, if the worst possible scenario is what we base the numbers on. So, and she's kind of wanting to base the numbers on the best possible scenario. And I'm basically saying, let's just clean up, the, let's clean up the books. So, um, so we'll see, you know, is that's it, one of those that's not going to happen you, overnight. Can you ask for the bank statements and just say, Hey, let's, we're going to go off the bank statements, not but that would cost you a lot of money. That, then you're doing do due that. diligence before you got a deal, you know? Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm confident in that one. Um, we'll, we'll get there. Well, good. Um, so what do you, let's do this. I mean, I, I've probably taken up your hour and I, I love this. I could probably talk for another hour. Yeah. You had 10 questions and I think we're only two. Like oh, we're only at two or three. Yeah, two. So <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to try and do this in 15 minutes. Yeah, I was like, I was crazy. Okay. I overestimated <laughs> that. All right. All right. Sorry. And I think a patch, uh, patch Baker said that too. And he goes, I'm not going to do a 15 minute conversation with you. And I go, yeah, it turned out really stupid to say, I want, you know, I'm going to crossfire you with these questions. You're going to answer real fast. That didn't work out. It could have been fun. I mean, we could still try the format sometime. I, I was, I was kind of practice. I think, like, I think I could have nailed it. I don't know how much of content or value the content would have to the listener, but it could, it could still be done. I think it'd still be interesting to try that. I think it's you know, so much of, more By the way, rock stars, uh, you know, M&A rock stars. I mean, Patch is crushing it. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah. Somebody told me, I'm, I join his uh, 3 p.m. Thursday marketing the Mobius, call. Uh, the Mobius He's calls. done four zero. Wow. Four D acquisitions, yeah. I heard. Yeah, that I believe it. It's, they're just... It's if they they steamroll though. Like once you start doing a couple, then all this they just. I mean, I got. I used to have to go out and find deals, and now they're coming to me faster than I can even keep track of them. And and so I can believe that he's he's really doing awesome. Yeah. And let me let me ask you back to like personally, what has it done for your confidence or just who oh you gosh. are as a 
like like you walk in the door and doesn't matter i mean the prettiest girl on the planet would look at and you and go that guy's powerful you know <laughs> <laughs> i still drive a toyota actually i drive two toyotas um i have a truck and a car um you know what it's done for me it's done two things it has made me feel good about myself knowing I'm helping others. I mean, I have saved some businesses. I have literally saved some businesses and literally saved some jobs. Not as many as I had hoped. I had these really grand visions of like doing a lot more saving. Um, and, and, and a lot of my deals, I'm saving some jobs, but other ones, you know, they're just, I'm, they're making more efficient. I'm almost really, I'm almost losing jobs because I'm making the business more efficient. We don't even need as many people. So I'm a little frustrated about that, but I, I am, I am helping people and I know that. And that's, that's the most important thing to me. Cause that's really why I did this. Hmm. Second is I am having a ball. I am having so much fun right now. And I'm, uh, you know, my mom called me this morning and she said, do you realize that you haven't talked to me in two weeks? And I'm like, really? Naughty boy. Didn't I just talk to you like two days ago? And she's like, no, it was this day. And this is what happened. And you were going to dinner. And and I was like, oh, wow. I'm I'm going a million miles an hour. And uh, I'll have to slow down. I, 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 but I play hard too. I take a lot of vacations and I get off the grid and, and, and fairly frequently to, to the point my partners get annoyed with me, but um, but I, um, I'm having so much fun that a 14 hour day of zoom calls, it, it, I'm exhausted, yeah. but I go to sleep with a smile on my face and wake up and go, Hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again. It's, yeah. is it second, you know, is it 6am yet? Let's go. And, and so, um, that's the coolest thing I think is that, is that this stuff can be so fun and every deal is so unique. There are no two deals like that. You've got to be creative. You've got to think outside the box and look at it from every angle and and understand the needs of the cell. I mean, this is the stuff I learned back as a, as a salesman, you know, I I think that's, let me, let me interrupt you very good because I think that's why you're so excited because it's new every day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it, it was is. the same thing every day, you just grow boring of it. You, yeah. I think it's because it's different. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about. It. I am not a person that could be on work on an assembly line and do the same thing every day, day in and day out. God love the people that are. Thank you very much. I, you know, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan yeah. of Mike Rowe and 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 you know and 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 the the jobs out there that I could never do, the skilled labor jobs and whatnot. But for me, I just have to be creative and I have to be innovative. And um, um, this has given me the ability to do doing mergers and acquisitions and, and, and scaling businesses has given me so much opportunity to um, yeah just totally be creative, be an artist, but an artist with businesses. I can't draw a straight line to save my life. You know, I can't sing. I don't have any of those kind of artistic abilities, but my artistic ability is in business and growing them and scaling them and making them more profitable. And that's my, that's my canvas. And I love it every single day. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm going to end on that because that's a beautiful note right there. So I want to appreciate your time, Marty. Let's, uh, I hope we can do this again. 
Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, John. Well, for your first one, I hope that, you know, I hope that I set the bar at least reasonably high so that when, uh, when, when, when people like Patch or whatever show up, they know, they don't, you don't look back and go, Oh man, that first one with Mario. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was boring. This is, I got a hundred <laughs> views and Patch gets five, 4,000. He goes like, no, 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 this is, this is going to be great. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to stop recording.